views, ideas, and opinions of all of us here at Lucia at Night and our guests are their own. And you should always seek additional professional opinion and advice pertaining to any of the topics discussed here on Lucia at Night. Hello and welcome to Lucia at Night, where we are helping you close the door in your day and light up your night. I'm Lucia, joined by two incredible people and real life friends, Krista and Sarah. Hello, ladies. Hello. So if you've been with us, either watching the series here or maybe you're listening online with our podcast, you know that we have a three-part series dedicated to attachment. What is attachment? Well, in the last episode, we talked all about what attachment was, attachment theory, and how it plays out in really your relationships. So the way that you relate to people in your relationships, predominantly your primary relationship is what attachment is all about. Um, And we have Dr. Chelsea Page coming back and joining us again to talk about the specific attachment styles and what they are. Last week, Krista wasn't here, but Sarah and I talked about attachment styles and just in general, what Sarah knew and what I sort of led Sarah a little bit through since I do some work in attachment um, from a professional standpoint. And we talked about our attachment styles. Um, Dr. Chelsea and I launched into that in our interview as well. Um, And I was more of a secure attacher and then moving towards anxious. Now, right now, you don't totally know if you're listening, what your style may be. Um, We're going to really take a deep dive into what does it mean to be a secure attacher or an anxious attacher or an avoidant attacher or disorganized attacher. Um, And if you see these patterns in your relationship where you're having problems, maybe you have one of these attachment styles and we can help you in the process of recognizing it and then changing it. Krista, Sarah was saying, Sarah, do you remember what you said? I know that we hadn't had the definition yet and we're about to get into the definition, but from the base that I told you, do you remember what type of attachment style you said or experience you had in relationships? I think um, we established that I was a secure attacher. Yeah, I thought so as well. Yeah, because um, I like my me time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we like, I, I just remember like respecting our boundaries. Like we have, our personal time, their personal time, and then together time. So I think mm-hmm. that's what we determined. Yeah. And um, Krista, just to catch you up and anyone listening that hasn't listened to episode one, just wanted to hear more about these styles. Um, I really was more secure. And then I was saying, and I talked to Dr. Chelsea about this as well, but after my divorce, I got a little bit more anxious and in one relationship in, in specific, which you know all the details of too many details of. Um, I feel like I was recognizing that I was anxious and really it helped me dial it back to being more, even in dealing with that person and way more secure now, um, recognizing the patterns and how powerful this stuff is to say, hey, I'm acting like this, but I can change it too. What type of, I feel like I actually know your attachment style, (laughs) but go ahead, Krista. (laughs) Well, um, I initially thought that I was secure attachment um, because like Sarah said, you know, I'm, I'm very comfortable, but I don't know if maybe I have some avoidant in there, you know, like, and you're smiling. <laughs> I don't want to make a clinical diagnosis because this show obviously consult your own mental health professional. Um, and I would never do that. But be, from a friend perspective and sure. 
from a professional perspective, I would say that Krista has traits towards avoidant. Yeah. And I like to think that it's secure, but it really, you know, there is that that piece like, well, I I really, eh, I don't want to give that up, you know, so there might be some fear in there that I'm not so readily um, willing to recognize. Yeah, I think Dr. Chelsea is going to dive into this more too, but there's a very specific reason why people show up in relationships avoidant. And again, we'll get into details so you can help identify yourself, but they do tend to pull back, right? And when people want time with them, it's like, whoa, why do you want time with me? (laughs) I'm doing my own thing, right? Like you're suspicious when someone wants time with you, really, Um, as avoid to anxious, opposed to anxious, which it's like, spend time with me, spend, right? You're trying to get something from your partner that really you need to get from yourself. Um, And then the secure people, which I'm sure at one point in your life, you were secure, Krista, but like Sarah, um, and thank you, God, I'm more secure now. (laughs) Um, It's more like, it's okay to get close, but it's also also okay to be alone. Um, And we'll take both. Yeah. I think I was, I was probably secure in actually in both of my marriages. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just experiences that happen, A, you know, in the divorces themselves, and then, you know, a relationship afterwards. And then just my place in life, I started getting very, um, like, like you just said, like, whoa, okay, what do you, what do you want from me? Like, that's not true. Like, that's not, you know, what, what's this going to cost me? Or like, I see it as manipulative and, and I can't trust it. And I like to think that, um, I mean, when I was married, I also wasn't super comfortable being by myself. I didn't know what that was like. Mm -hmm. And now I've spent a significant number of years alone and, I'm okay with that. So I think, oh, that's secure. But when I have somebody, which I, I have have somebody that, you know, wants to spend time with me, you know, seemingly no strings attached, you know, and I'm just like, nope, take it or leave it. I'm, you know, not getting in a relationship. I'm not doing this. And it's, it's like, take it or leave it. And um, I don't, I don't really know why that is. Well, I could probably dive into why that is. <laughs> I'll make an appointment with you. We can. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think that something you said is really interesting, which is attachment can be an evolution, right? Depending, like it starts with your primary development, but it can evolve, right? So because Sarah is a secure attacher and has been in all her relationships, which is awesome because if you're with someone who's anxious or wish with someone who's avoidant, what you can do is hold space for them so that they feel more secure. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be a life event that moves her needle. Sorry, Sarah, in one way (laughs) or the other, but it's it sounds like that's what you've experienced. Krista is. Yeah. Um, And you said something really powerful that I'm going to talk to Dr. Chelsea about as well. But um, since this is, all she does. Um, but it's that you sometimes think as an avoidant and avoidance often think that, oh, if I'm okay being hundred percent alone all the time, then I'm secure. 
right? But we're born for relationship. We're born for closeness and intimacy. That's healthy. Being okay with intimacy and closeness is actually something that's okay to be. Mm. Um, And avoidance think like, oh no, I'm super secure because I'm like 100% okay on my own and would rather be on my own, right? Like if you're like, I want to spend all my time alone, like maybe worth investigating and listening. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I don't even like my company. Like, yeah, we've had super, super time to just be all by myself with, with all of this COVID the last seven months. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's like, I I need some company. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm done with me. Like this is not okay. (laughs) Before we get into Dr. Chelsea, just one other quick question and something I'm going to talk about on the next show is I did some research on, cause I'm really curious about culture. So we're in Part three, we're going to talk about this in our intro, but attachment in the U.S. and is that universal through other cultures and what other cultures tend to have secure attachments and what is that piece? So we're going to talk more about that next episode, but have you identified just in what we've talked about so far, maybe a relationship you've been in and has the dynamic made sense when it didn't feel right? Because I know for myself, I have identified a couple of situations where it's like when the dynamics off a little but you really love this person's like personality but there's something off that that may be two different attachment styles does that make sense mm, yeah anything in the past that now comes to light as an example for you I actually think um my last relationship which I, I think I talked about a little bit in last week's episode or the past episodes um I've always been a very secure attacher, but I actually think he might've been more now knowing more about these attachments, kind of like an avoidance attacher. He, I, there were definitely parts of like him that I just didn't really know about. And he just didn't want to share with me about. And I felt like he might've shared more with like his friends and like, you know, again, I think at times we were both secure because like, we wanted to hang out with each other, but then we also wanted our alone time. But again, there, I always kind of felt like there was that, there was something that like he was just keeping back from me, whether it was for my own sake or for his own sake, I don't know, but I always kind of felt that way. So he could be like an avoidance attacher. Could be a lot of things. Could be a lot of things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know that now. because <laughs> yeah, I know more about that situation, but uh, <laughs> Yeah, definitely something there when there's like a veil and you can never get fully close to them. Mm -hmm. That's one of the signs. Krista, anything for you? Yeah, well, I I think it's clear that, you know, I I like to kid myself that I'm a secure attacher, but I might have been at one point, but what you just said, there's a veil, you know, that you can't get close enough. I'm very aware that I you know, keep up something out of, I don't know what fear or whatever, but I think, you know, this, this person in my life right now, um, may have a tendency to, you know, anxious anxiety attach or whatever. So, so the combination of that, you know, he tries to be kind of laid back and, and go along with my terms, but at the same time, I'm constantly, from his perspective, rejecting him and pushing him away. And 
So then he, his, and you know, then he wants to get closer. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. So that is the push pull dynamic. It's called yes. the avoided anxious dance. And, um, or dance away. That's what, yeah. Yeah. Like distance or pursuer is another thing you'll, you'll hear. Um, and why does that dynamic happen? How can you change it? Those are all things we're going to be talking about with Dr. Chelsea. So um, hang on. She's going to be with us in just a second. And if you have any questions for us, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Lucia at night, um, also at Wellseekers, or you can find us all at our individual handles, which we will put up as well. Um, so we'll be right back on Lucia at night with Dr. Chelsea Page. Today's lifestyle demands the best in wireless. And with Pulse Cellular, you have the best options available. Switch to Pulse Cellular for unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data. Coast to coast with no contracts, no credit checks, and no overage fees. One line for $65 or four lines for just $45 each, including hotspot, Wi-Fi calling, and 50 gigs per line. And for all you travelers, we got you covered in Canada and Mexico. Plus, text and data in over 210 countries worldwide. All with the best phones or bring your own that's pretty awesome get the best user experience on mobile at pulsecellular.com close the door on your day and light up your night you're listening to lucia at night and we're back on lucia at night with dr chelsea page she is back again thank you so much for continuing this conversation Hello. Yes, I'm so excited. I could talk for hours about this. So I'm loving this. Well, I feel like this is perhaps my new calling. I've decided. <laughs> I just think there needs to be such a focus on it um, and the power of it. Can you tell us about your course? I know you mentioned it last last week and before or episode one. And before I forget and get sidetracked in the conversation, what is your course and how can people find out more about it? Oh, thank you so much. Um, well, right now, so we're right in the middle of it at the moment. So it's called Amour, so love in French. And this is one of my courses that I have that is in all about emotional intimacy. So these conversations we're having now about attachment style, how to, you know, handle all of all those pieces in relationship, how to give love, receive love, how to do repairs in relationship, all of those pieces. And so it's a live program. I love doing a lot of my programs live and it's in a private Facebook group and it's just, it's just wonderful. So even though we're, we're just starting into it right now, you can still hop in or you can sign up for the next round. I do four programs that I have right now, all about the self emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, and sexual intimacy. So I cover all the pieces. I love it. And where can they find you? You can go to my website at drchelseypage.com. I'm not as active on there, but you can send me an email. The best place is over on Facebook land. So Facebook, I have my corner of the internet. So you can find me, Chelsea Page, on my personal page. I have a lot of things there. And I have a Facebook group, the Intentional Intimacy Women's Group, which is a pi private group as well. So Facebook is usually the best place to find me. Amazing. I may have to join <laughs> just because I'm so curious <laughs> about in. all of it. So last week, Dr. Chelsea, we were talking about, of course, attachment, mm -hmm. what it means, how it's formed. And if you missed episode one, I highly suggest just clicking on it to get the download on that as we hop into the second part, which is those four attachment styles that we talked about last week. So can you just tell us about them again? And can we dive into a little bit more detail on them? Yes, yes, yes. So just kind of a recap, kind of a, 
um, bird's eye view of the four attachment styles is kind of the primary one that we want to strive for and feel and have is the secure attachment. So the secure attachment means, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable. You trust others. You trust yourself. Closeness feels okay. So that's kind of the the sum of that. Closeness is okay. Closeness is good. I like closeness. Mm. One of the other ones is avoidant attachment. This gets formed when we learn that closeness doesn't feel okay. Maybe you got hurt in the past. And avoidant is I'm going to keep people at arm's length because I don't feel good getting close to you because I'm too nervous to get close to you, but I'm going to deny that I'm nervous. (laughs) I'm just going to keep you at arm's length. And the anxious attachment, so this is kind of on the other end of the spectrum, anxious attachment is I need to be close to you all the time. I need to hold you close. I'm anxious about the you being next to me. I'm afraid that maybe you're going to leave me. So I'm going to just hold you close, as close as I can, as close as you'll let me. Mm. And so very different than the avoidant, which is I'm going to keep you at arm's length. Anxiousness is, can we get any closer, please, please, please? Yes, absolutely. Let's, can we talk about that in more detail first and start there? Yes, yes, yes. Anxious attachment. Where does it come from? It comes from our attachment that we learned and felt growing up and or some big instance that we had. I remember you mentioning in the last episode about after your divorce and you're like, all of a sudden I was anxious. Like, where is this coming from? Oh my gosh, from secure to anxious. And it really, really took me just realizing like who hearing myself once like who is talking like this is so unlike me to be saying these words (laughs) luckily I know what attachment is right and I was like you are anxious Lucia like this is what's happening so events right either primary growing up events or something transitional that happens throughout your life that can change your attachment and make you more anxious Do you think it's fair to say, though, Dr. Chelsea, that it also is sort of like I see it manifesting sometimes as not in myself, but in other relationships that I've worked with. I almost see it manifesting as like, I need you to make me feel okay. Yes, that is a very good way to put it. And this even so past Chelsea was in a very anxious place. That was my primary attachment style um, growing up and um, really probably more of the the disorganized one, which we'll go into. As a result of that, one of my primary strategies around this anxious style was people pleaser. I was a huge people pleaser. And the focus of that is I want to make sure you're okay so that I'm okay. So if you're okay, then all is okay in the world. Like to myself, be damned. (laughs) It was my sense of okayness lives in you. And so I need to be as close to you as I can. I need to feel okay by you. I need to make sure you're okay so that we're okay. Like so much pressure on the other person. So much pressure on the other person, right? It's a lot of responsibility because true security can only come from yourself. Mm -hmm. If you're looking, and again, I say this from experience as well. So I'm with you on having experienced anxious attaching. True security can only come from yourself. And if you're looking for someone to complete that for you, obviously, if you're with someone who's secure, my experience again, professionally and personally, is that they're adaptable a little bit more. They're willing to talk and communicate to anxious attachment in a way that calms them a little bit and makes them feel like, okay, I'm I'm going to be okay, right? But if you're with an avoidant, it is like 
so, quote, this is the word you may hear a lot, needy, mm-hmm. anxious and avoidant attachers. You'll hear, gosh, you're so needy, right? Or if you yes. could just chill out. That's another big one. I think avoidance um, tend to use with anxious attachers. Yes, it's, well, it's because that wanting to feel close, this is where we get into kind of this negative cycle, this negative dance in relationships is if you're more anxious and you're trying to go like after the other person, it's another word that can be used as pursuing. I'm pursuing this person. I am trying to move as close to them as I can and avoid an attachment. That person who wants to keep people at arm's length, they're like, uh, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why are you get trying to get emotionally close to me? That's, I don't like that. That's not okay. I'm going to label it as needy. I'm going to label it as bad in my mind. And I'm going to put my arm out even more and try to kind of like stiff arm, like the Heisman, right? The Heisman going out and going, nope, don't get any closer, which is then going to activate the anxious person to freak out on the inside and go, whoa, 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 I can't get as close as I want to. And then they try to get even closer. The avoidant pushes away more. And now we're in this push-pull dance, which is not fun. No. And there's a video that I have that I'm going to um, put up as well that talks about that push-pull dance in great, great detail. Love it. Yeah. So that's the anxious style. Anything else that could, if someone is thinking, hey, I may be anxious, any identifiers? Yes. Anxious, I feel, is very outwardly focused in trying to, uh, for lack of a better phrase, try to control the outside world. Right. We talked about kind of trying to kind of say control others, but it's I need to make sure everything outside of me is okay. So then I'm okay because I don't have a sense of okayness inside of me, which is, you know, secure attachment has I'm okay inside myself and I trust you and intimacy with others. Anxious is I'm not okay in myself. I have to make sure everything else is okay. And so I know, again, I know this from very personal experience, people pleaser, trying to be perfectionist, trying to make sure I'm doing all the things to prove myself so that people can see me. And so if you have any of those things that are activated inside of you, you're probably more in the anxious place and feeling if you're nagging your partner all the time, if you feel like, oh, every time we're in an argument or disagreement, you keep trying to want to keep talking and keep pushing for more keep trying to get this other person out of their shell. And maybe if they, your partner calls you nagging or anything like that, you probably have more of an anxious side of you. So how can you tell though, if you're anxious, I always found this hard. Mm. And there, there is a test that I'm going to try and find a link to that helps you identify all these styles. And if we can find it, we'll absolutely put it up in big, bold letters. So you can (laughs) take that test. Um, (laughs) But how do you tell the difference between someone who's anxious or someone who's secure, maybe a little anxious, but mostly secure, and is just dating an avoidant party or person, and everything's going to feel needy, right? Everything's gonna feel nagging to someone who is avoidant. Oh, yes, yes. It's going to be less so coming from a secure person, but it's going to feel even more so coming from an anxious person because their kind of heightened sense of wanting to reach out for emotional connection is going to be really high in an anxious person. Mm. Where a secure person is, I want to reach out to you, but I'm not trying to like grab and hold on to you like a koala bear, which is going to then push the avoidant away. Mm-hmm. But it will feel the hints of neediness from, and from the avoidant point of view. So you can be more in 
well, honestly, this is like my relationship or has been for a long time, although we've made some big um, changes and transitions is I was a very anxious person and with some hints of avoidant, which goes into that more disorganized. And my partner was more in the secure realm with a little bit of hint of avoidant in there. So you can have it's you can kind of have a mixing pot of some things. So it's not just always set in stone, as we talked about before. Mm, absolutely identifying your partner and what they are is just as important sometimes so that you're not thinking, oh, I may be anxious. And it's like, no, you may be secure and just dating someone who's incredibly avoidant. That could be a possibility too. It can. And if I was like a fly on a wall to see, am I seeing a secure person and an avoidant person? Or am I seeing a, um, an anxious person and an avoidant person? Really what happens in both of the anxious and avoidant people is your emotional intelligence inside of you is not as strong as someone who is in that secure place. So your sense of being vulnerable and sharing your wants and needs and doing it in a very calm and clear way and being very open, a secure person can hold the space emotionally, not only within themselves, but within another person, like their sense of kind of yeah, holding that emotional space, if you can understand that, hold, can hold everybody. And so you can see you know, secure person would be saying, you know, I, I really, I really need a hug from you right now. I really want to be close to you. Whereas an anxious person would be like, you never hug me. Like what's going on? What's happening? So it's very, very different. It's how you express the needs. Does that make sense? Oh, no, it does. And I love that. I love that. It also makes me feel like maybe it wasn't as anxious as I thought. Because <laughs> I used to say stuff like that in a in a past relationship. We're getting really personal here. Sometimes I use personal examples, but I was I feel like they're a great illustrator. I was dating someone and I would say that and they would be like, Oh, so needy. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a sign of an avoidant. And I do feel like if you're secure with a little bit of anxiousness, and this was my experience, we're getting really personal, um, secure with some anxiousness and then being with an avoidant just can set off that anxiousness. Yes. And it can start to get this, maybe there's like a little kind of dance going on, this little ping that's happening. And so maybe your anxiousness isn't as high, but as you move and continue in a relationship like that without any changes, it can start to keep building like the momentum, almost like a snowball can keep building and building because the more avoidant they are, the more your anxious side is start to kind of come out because you're like, well, where are you? Where are you? Like, I want to connect with you. So you can, that's how we start to move in a more anxious place, even if you've been secure because the other person's pattern and yours bouncing off of each other snowballs. Any other identifiers of anxious, anxious attachment Mm -hmm. that can potentially help someone listening right now? Well, this goes for both sides of avoidant and anxious, but you are expressing your needs, but you're not doing it in a very good way. Kind of in my example of, you know, I really would love a hug from you right now versus, you know, I really need a hug. You never give me hugs. You know, why don't you love me? All of these things. The anxious person like really gets wrapped up in the meaning of things and doesn't slow down enough to actually see maybe someone who does love them if they're with a secure partner and avoidant. Of course, there's still love. Um, So there's a lot of like hyperactivation in the mind and in behavior that happens there. 
and just look at how different strategies you're trying to get as so close as you can and how you respond to any distance that happens in a relationship. Because if you're not okay with distance, an anxious person is going to try to close that gap in any way possible. And usually the way that the gap gets closed is from, again, from a nagging place or a blaming place or an arguing place or any of those pieces. I love that. Since we talked about avoidance um, in some specificity just previously, can you give us a little bit more detail on avoidance and then maybe some additional identifiers? Yeah. So the avoidant is, is somebody who is shut down because they keep an arm's length to other people emotionally, they also keep an arm's length to their own emotions and their own attachment needs, which are needs to feel, you know, close and wanted and loved and connected with another. They shut that down. They pretend it's not there. They avoid themselves. This is what we do, how our own inner experience mirrors what we do on the outside is it's like, no, I don't need anybody. Now I'm totally fine by myself. You might find yourself that like, no, I don't even need to be in a relationship. And whereas a secure attachment person would be like, I'm totally fine not being in a relationship, but I still would really love to be in one. And I'm going to take actions to actually be in one. Avoidance like, nah, me, myself and I am good. I'm good. And so in relationship, if you're building a relationship with someone and if you are avoidant, you might feel kind of on the opposite side, as we were talking, you might feel like your partner is like, whoa, they like are nagging me all the time. They keep are wanting to hang out with me all the time. They're like wanting to get too close. So if you're feeling like they keep wanting to get close to me, like why, <laughs> why do they want to get close to me? I don't want to get close. It's needy. I don't, I don't want to acknowledge needs because I can't even acknowledge them within myself. So somebody being around me who has needs, it like makes me nervous. I think those were great identifiers. I find if you're asking yourself, what is going on? You may be dating an avoidant. Mm -hmm. Like if you're slightly confused, right? Because if you're secure or anxious and you really can't fathom why this person doesn't want to be there. Mm -hmm. So I do feel like it leaves you asking yourself like, maybe what is wrong with me if, if you're prone to anxious? But more, I feel like what is something is off here. Like, I just always felt like when dating avoidance, there was something a little bit off all the time. Yes. And the offness. And again, not that we want to ever get in this place like there's anything bad or wrong about anybody. It's the offness is connection to emotion is off, mm. meaning I, I don't want to connect with my emotions because if I connect with my emotions, this goes all underneath the surface. This is scary to me. I don't want to acknowledge I have emotions or connecting needs because in the past when I did that, I got completely shut down or hurt or nobody was even there for me. So I just decided it's just better me, myself and I, and I'm going to ignore my emotions. I'm going to ignore those. And so that's the feeling of kind of the off is it's like, again, the statement of like, where where are you? Where are you emotionally? I can't find you. But a person who's avoidant, they're like, I'm fine. I'm okay. And this is somebody too, who doesn't really have a lot of ups and downs and emotions. They're more kind of even keel. They pretend like things aren't affecting them. Although there's a whole bunch that's going underneath the surface that maybe they don't even know is going on in themselves. They're not connected to their emotions where an anxious person is like flooding in their emotions. Why do those two tend to gravitate towards each other? Because they do. 
Yes. Two of the biggest fears for every human, they go hand in hand, I feel, is this fear of abandonment and fear of not being enough. And with these fears being activated, what happens when we attract or we go into relationship, right? It's like an anxious attracts and avoidant and avoidant attracts and anxious. Then what happens is we kind of do this self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm trying to think of an example. I'll think of an example myself. So I remember early on in my relationship with my husband, I, because I was more in that anxious place, I didn't, I didn't believe that he loved me. Like I could hear him. He did all these things, but it's like, I, I didn't believe it because I was afraid that he was going to leave me. And I, I kept telling him, I'm like, do you love me? I don't believe you love me. It was, I kept questioning his love for me. And what happened is then I ended up actually pushing him further away. And this is what we end up doing is in relationship, although this doesn't happen in, you know, in my marriage, but it can, is by being more anxious, I end up pushing somebody away and then they end up leaving me. And then I confirm the belief I have in my mind. And then it's like, see, people just keep leaving me. Self-fulfilling so we, prophecy. That Exactly. This is probably one of the largest things I see, and I'm grouping this all together when working with or in direct relation to people experiencing someone with anxious attachment. They oftentimes create that self-fulfilling prophecy mm -hmm. because it is exactly, you just described it so perfectly. And again, it's not good, bad, it just is, right? Yes. And awareness is important in case you're doing this from someone who has done this, right? It, it's absolutely something that does occur. Sometimes when I see an anxious person attachment style with someone who is secure and really secure, they just have this way of disarming their anxiousness. But have you experienced that? I, I have. And I'm using a ton of personal examples because like we said, it's just so helpful to use personal examples is I remember um, there's been many examples of this, but I remember this one in particular that my husband and I, this was a while ago, we were out to dinner and I, I don't even know what I was upset about, but I was totally in my anxious attack mode. I was in once in a while I attack his video games because that's something that I, I get anxious around because it feels like he's withdrawing or avoiding me, but he's not, he's just playing games. But at this at the restaurant, I remember I was in like attack mode in that, and not like full on attack, but I was definitely an anxious place. I was feeling um, like just anxious, and I could feel him. And this is what secure gets to do: is you can hold the space and not react to the other person. This is what happens in arguments: is when you have a react react going on, and you just get caught in an argument and you can't slow it down. A secure person can slow it down. And what he did is he just was, he, excuse my language, he was like, I, I don't want us to go here. And he cut under all of my bullshit <laughs> and excuse my language, but it was just like, I, he was hearing this, but he's like, no, Chelsea, like what is actually going on here? I, there's something going on here. I know you're mad at me right now, but like what's underneath this? He kept pulling me down underneath my defensive strategy and so his calm and secure place allowed my nervous system to calm down a little bit and for me to take a breath and go, oh, yes, okay, what I'm really actually trying to say is 
we haven't hung out in a long time and I just wanted to like go on more dates and I just am feeling really disconnected from you and it's making me really nervous. And that was able to happen because he was able to help me go down to that place, which sometimes I, I can't go down there on my own to that mm-hmm. vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to have, I, I love that example. And that's probably, you probably said it better than I've ever heard it described, which is just holding the space. Secure people can hold the space and put the pause in, right? Put the pause in of what's really going on here. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there was something that happened towards the end of one relationship where I remember catching myself like, and just like getting so upset over something so minor that didn't matter. And then calling back and being like, this is what's really going on, right? Because I caught myself. It took me a couple minutes, Mm -hmm. but it's like, okay, I caught myself and I'm anxious and this is why. This is where what's so wonderful about relationships is even if in the moment you're not able to catch yourself, this is what happens when you start to shift and transition yourself into more of that secure attachment is you're going to get closer and closer to catching yourself. But it might be maybe five days later that you recognize, oh, yeah, I totally went into shutdown mode right there mm-hmm. as maybe you're an avoidant and you totally went shutdown mode. Maybe sometimes avoidance and arguments, they leave the room physically or sometimes they leave the room emotionally, meaning they're still there, but they just shut down emotionally. Yeah, literally just shut down. Yeah, it's just shut down. And maybe you realize, maybe you're reflecting back five days later and you're like, oh, I totally did that. You can always go back and repair you can always go back and repair and go, oh my gosh, honey, I I realize I'm reflecting back and that discussion we had, I completely shut down and I realize it right now and I'm plugging it into myself and I'm going to keep doing better and better in this. And you'll catch it, maybe it's four days later you catch it. And then maybe it's, you know, an hour after the argument that you catch it. And maybe it's then it goes to Earlier on, you're like in it. This is one of the hardest when you're catching in the moments where you breathe yourself down away from your reactive place. Mm. But you can do that. Just like in that example I gave with my husband, he was able to breathe us down and get back to that calm, secure place so we can actually share our vulnerabilities. Because ultimately, that is what intimacy is. My vulnerable heart being shared with your vulnerable heart, and we can both hold that space together. Absolutely. You talked about secure, so we should probably go into that. I mean, I think you described it well, right? Somebody who's able, and it's not to say that they always do that, right? No. People who are secure can not want to get vulnerable all the time either, right? So, yeah, we're human. We're human. Yeah. In general, willing to connect, wanting to connect, and being able to hold some space for you and being vulnerable. And I have, I have another example. If yeah. you, if we'll there's time, it. sure. Is how there's this difference between a reactive conversation versus more of that secure place. And again, it's sharing our wants and needs from a vulnerable place, which usually is so quote unquote simple to say, but so hard to say, mm. for example, like I, I really, I really need a hug right now. Very simple to say, but it's like freaking scary to say, especially if you're anxious or avoidant to admit those emotions. And an example of this, I referenced my husband's video games before, and I used to, in my reactive place, in my attachment style of more anxious, 
I would get triggered in, it would be this uh-oh trigger of just seeing him play a game. Like he's not even doing anything, poor guy. He was like, oh, innocent, just like playing his games. But all of a sudden, our a fear, a trigger happens on the inside. And I'm like touching my belly right now. It usually happens in my stomach. It goes, uh, uh-oh. Mm. And this whole reaction starts to come in of, uh-oh, oh my goodness, I'm not feeling close to him. Oh my, and then I start to put meaning to it. Does, does he not love me? And if he doesn't love me, he's going to leave me. And that's really scary. I don't, I'm not expressing that to him right now. This happens like really quickly on the inside. And what I used to do was then go into attack, into the nag. You're always on your video games. You like never spend time with me. Video, like always attacking the video games, attack, attacking the thing that I thought was getting in the way of our closeness. But what do you think that did to him, the poor guy? It activated his system to then go on to the defense and then defend his video games and go like, why are you attacking my video games? This doesn't make any sense. And so we would get caught in this negative feedback loop where my needs, of course, were not being met at all. Whereas a secure attachment is when that ping happens inside of my stomach, because it still does from time to time. This is what happens. Our fears and our triggers makes us human. That's not the bad thing. It's how we react to them and how we engage with our fears and our triggers. So now from a more secure place, if I ever get that ping, and not always because I'm human, then I get to tell him, oh, I understand my need is I want some more closeness. And I can either tell myself, oh, he's just playing games. It's totally fine. We have date night tonight. So there's no reason to be worried about this. So I can kind of talk myself down from it. Or I can share with him vulnerably. Hey, honey, I'm feeling just really disconnected to you recently. Can we maybe get a a date night on the books or an extra date night? Because I'm just wanting some extra closeness. I love that. And then he can respond to that. Of course, honey, of course we can spend time together. Right. That's the vulnerability. What if they're avoidant? What do you think the response is going to be? Oh, good question. Well, it would be we just we just hang out yesterday. We just did this yesterday, like more of kind of downplaying a bit of your wanting and desire to hang out with each other. Oh, yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yep. Dated someone that was avoidant. That sounds about right. For sure. Yeah. Because they're going to be like, wait, what? You want to? You want to be close again? Because remember, closeness for avoidance, like, mm, no, thank you. I'll pass. Yeah. It's like me and olives. It's like olives. I don't like olives. I'll pass. No, thank you. Oh, I love olives. <laughs> really? <laughs> All, I mean, I'm Italian. I feel like it's just in me to love olives. <laughs> Definitely not an olive gal. It's like that TV show, How I Met Your Mother, the olive theory, that one person in a relationship either loves olives and the other person doesn't. I think it's silly. <laughs> Anyway, how would you describe? We have one more left. And thanks, Dr. Chelsea, for being so generous with your time today, too. Of course. How would you describe disorganized? Mm, So uh, disorganized. So we didn't go full into it, but you can get the sense as we talked about more of the anxious and avoidant. Mm -hmm. There's different names that get put to this disorganized, fearful. I call it sometimes like confused, internally confused attachment. And we talked about this, I think it was in our first episode, that it's it's this place where internally there's this push-pull going on. So internally you have this sense of I'm not a, I'm not good really in the world and I don't feel really good in close with close proximity to other people and that intimacy, but also there's a part of me that wants to be close and not close. So what I mean by that is it's this push-pull of I want you to come closer 
and I want you to be intimately closer to me. But then if you get too close, I'm going to kind of like push and shove you emotionally away. Mm. But then my nervous system freaks out and goes, whoa, that's too far. And then I try to pull you closer again. But then, oh, then I push you away. So this could look like maybe, I don't know, maybe last night you had this wonderful, intimately close connecting sexual you know, night with your partner. And it was really close and intimate. And then the next like week, your partner is like completely distant. It's again, where did you go? <laughs> and then they try to pull you back again. So it's it's confusing to the partner too, because then they're like, wait, sometimes you want me, sometimes you don't want me. Like what's what's going on here? This push pull. Yeah. I mean, I recognize myself in all of these. That was absolutely me in a relationship right after my divorce. It was like I so wanted closeness, but I was terrified of it because of where it just came from someone that I really liked, but like was not available at the time. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And this one is this one, the disorganized, fearful, internally confused. It's one's a lot more in the more extreme sense is a lot more rare, smaller percentages, and especially can be more into this into the extreme. If you've had really severe trauma in the past, any of those pieces, that's going to have a really big impact on your nervous system. And completely, you can work through these things, especially with though with trauma, it takes a, a lot longer to build in comfort in the nervous system to be more in that secure place. But we find, like you said, you're like, I could find myself into that a little bit. And I've definitely been in the um, disorganized place too, but more of kind of like my my foot was dipped into that pool rather than like my whole body is in this pool of disorganization. Mm-hmm. Such important information, Dr. Chelsea Page. Thank you so much for sharing these styles with us. We're going to continue the series and talk about once you've identified these styles within yourself or within your significant other, how do you change them? What can you do to work on changing these styles? That's going to be the next few episodes. So make sure to click on them below. Dr. Chelsea, can you just give us your information again? So if people want to find you, they can find you. Yes. My website is drchelseapage.com. And um, as I said before, Facebook is the best way. And actually, if you go to my website, there's a little banner at the top that um, has you access to my Facebook group. Or you can find me on Facebook, Chelsea Page. So P-A-G-E. And I'm all up in my personal page. I'm not really on my business page all that much, um, but also in my private Facebook group. So that's the best place to find me. Dr. Chelsea, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, it's Lucia, and I'm so thrilled to welcome you to my podcast, Well Seekers, bringing you simple, accessible, and real stories and solutions to find your happy and well from the mind down and to learn to form a better relationship with yourself and others. This is real. We're giving you simple, accessible advice and tools to make your mind, life, and world a whole lot more well with knowledge, inspiration, honesty, self-care, and of course, a lot of fun. So join me and the rest of the Seekerhood as we journey to a mind and life you are going to love. Welcome to Well Seekers. It's a treat and a retreat for your day. You're listening to Lucia at Night. And we're back on Lucia at Night. Thanks so much to Dr. Chelsea Page for helping us with such insightful and impactful information um, and wisdom and expertise and sharing her own personal stories as well. Um, We are going to talk about in our last part, the third part to this series, how you can change your attachment style. If you relate to any of this or you have a partner that you think has one of these attachment styles, how you can work on it, how they can work on it, um, and just giving you all the details to help you in 
your relationship and to help in love and bringing love home more in your own life. Um, so before we go, I think we were going to talk, we were talking about before the episode started, um, before we started recording, things that are on TV right now, since we're all still COVIDing some um, and are at home, what you've been watching that's really made an impact on your life. Um, and I'm just going to kick it off because I know that you both were, were thinking about it. But um, so the social dilemma, I don't know if anyone has seen it about. Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah, of social media on mental health mm. um, and just health in general and how it is literally a public health crisis. Um, and it's all these people that created social media talking about how dangerous it is. And has you both have not seen it, right? No, but I've heard of it. Uh, I've heard good things too. Yeah. I know a lot of people that are coming off of social media because of it, but I think the message I got was be a conscious consumer, right? So like know what you're consuming and what not to consume. It's almost like, I've always said media is like food, like moderate your junk food, right? And like yeah. take in healthy stuff and then moderate the not healthy stuff. And we're on the healthy list, by the way, just so everyone knows. <laughs> um, but it also talks about like how, you know how those movies, like where it's like 2020 or 2030 and the robots take over, they basically equate it to this is the robot takeover and how it's going to destroy society. And it is maybe just a, teaspoon overboard but like it's actually kind of true so watch it it'll terrify you <laughs> <laughs> like <Great>. being terrified it's <laughs> uh, really impactful if you're on social media um or you have kids on social media or a loved one on social media just really really impactful so i suggest it one last thing about it though i think it's so odd that these billionaires are literally sitting here that created and got wealthy off of social media they're like yeah it's horrible sorry about that yeah. i'm like okay cool thanks cool yeah go all the way down the line with it before you know that like come on you know what i mean yeah so there's a little bit of that to it too sarah and krista anything you're watching that's making a difference in your life right now or just for fun could be a good fun difference. <laughs> I mean, I like to watch like mysteries and like murder mysteries. I, I know we've talked about it before. Like I won't go on dating apps because I watch Dateline too much, but <laughs> I, I don't know. It's not really impactful, but it gets the mind going trying to figure out who did it. Yeah. There's so many <laughs> other reasons not to go on dating apps besides that. Well, yeah. <laughs> is that what you like about it? True crime? Just that it like, what is it about it that you love? I love it too. I'm obsessed with it. I, so I've always been drawn to like mysteries, whether it's like a book or a movie. And I, I just love the whodunit. And I, and I'm always sitting there trying to figure out like who did it? Like, and I, I don't know. It's just like my favorite thing to try and figure out, even though I would be a terrible like detective in real life. I like to try and be the detective when I'm watching the movie. <laughs> what have you, what's your favorite right now? Um, well, actually I'll tell you the most recent one I watched. I just watched it, uh, on Friday, I think with my mom on Netflix. Um, I think it's called lost girls and it's about, um, 
I didn't know this was a real thing, but it was, there was like a serial killer in Long Island and uh, mother was trying to find her daughter was missing and she was figured it was connected with the serial killer, but they like couldn't prove it because they couldn't find her. And it was like really interesting. And I was like sitting there the whole time, like, oh, it's gotta be him. It's gotta be him. And so I, it was very, it was a very good movie. It was really interesting. I've seen it. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Krista? So I'm right there with Sarah. I, I love, um, you know, all the true crimes, the murder mysteries. Um, it's really, I, I don't know why, but since I was little, you know, I love the, I think I've said this before, the Nancy Drew and the Agatha Christie's. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I would just read them all, all the time. And, um, and I always like to, you know, the, the bigger the twist, like, like this. And I think my draw to it is um, just the human nature, like just the, which is also bad for an avoidant attach, attacher. Because, <laughs> so I just watched um, the Chris Watts story. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I didn't know. yeah. And, oh, and. What that does to me is like, you look at this, you know, it's, it's tragic. It's, or it's just repugnant. It's horrible. But this guy is a regular guy. I mean, up to like the day before he's texting his wife, you know, no, no, I love you. And no signs in that. Yeah. Zero signs. Zero signs. No fights. That's what, oh, and, I, and pulls her back in, you yeah. know, she's like, look, something's wrong. Like, yeah. and instead of just saying, yeah, I want out of this. Like, no baby, I'm going to really try hard. You know, I love you. You know, you're the best. Mm. And, and, kills her and his children probably yeah. should spoiler alert on that one because you oh. don't find out till the end um well i mean it was all over the news i mean i, I, yeah. I kind of avoided it though when it was on the news because oh my god and that was, was crazy it just it really gets to the my core and probably you know why i don't do dating sites either because I don't believe what's in front of me. It's mm -hmm. like you could be anybody. Yeah, and but they were married for eight years and he still was anybody, right? So I think what it speaks to is that we're all layered. We yeah. all are gray. We are not black and white people. We behaviorally don't make black and white decisions. We do live in the gray. And what's so interesting about true crime is that you get, you see like, the real gray of people, which is like, this guy was probably a good guy. He yeah. also was a murderer that yeah. like got way deep in again, spoiler alert, but like, I don't think he intended not, this is not justification to kill his kids though. It was almost like he literally didn't know how to get out of the fact that they saw him kill his wife. Yeah. And he says, I don't know if you saw this, but he says when he's driving, like the whole way I was trying to figure out how can I get away with this and not kill me. And not harm my kids. Yeah. And he couldn't. It's like, just dial 911, right? And what keeps you from going down the wrong decision instead of fixing it? But do you know that that is based upon so many other murders that have happened? That murder is not unique. No. Um, oh, no. I know that. Kids. 
killing your wife in the heat of passion and then your kids. And then your kids. And then you have, they think I have to kill, right? This is them, not me. I have to kill them because I just did this horrendous thing they witnessed. No, there's, there's too many examples of that. And, um, the interesting, if you like that, that's where I, that's, it's not impactful on my, it doesn't do anything really beneficial, but (laughs) (laughs) terrorizes me. I think it does speak though to the human nature, which is like, you never really know what anyone is capable of. You just really don't even know what you're capable of when they see like passions of crimes of passion. This really was a crime of passion. A lot of these crimes and yeah. Like who goes through with something so horrendous and who doesn't like that would actually be an interesting Lucia at night to have someone on here who is a psychologist that specializes in it because I wonder what that thin line is, right? Right. But there is one. If you like that, there's something right now called um, the wilderness of error. I've heard series on FX that is, um, about a crime that was done 50 years ago that was literally almost verbatim to this crime. Um, but he then stabs himself and says it was a invasion. It was right after the Manson murders. And the mm-hmm. hypothesis is, is that he stabbed himself because he was a doctor and he knew how to stab himself and not die um, and killed his wife and his two daughters and then blames it on a group of hippies that and it's so fascinating because people saw this group of hippies by his house but it, the forensic evidence didn't make sense and it's truly like a wait one second you're like he did it and then the second you're like nope the hippies did it like it's just like back and forth the whole time mm. fascinating what's it called again it's called the wilderness of errors and it's on fx okay shout out and look at it like, yeah, you'll love it, Sarah. And it has a companion podcast too, if you're into podcasts. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Check it out. So, I'm, I'm, I'm into that. So uh, I will definitely, me and my mom like to watch it. <laughs> oh, you'll love it then. And yeah. it's done by um, Jason Bloom, who produced Get Out. And a, he does a lot uh, of like horror movies. So there's sort of this like really irky, element to it i couldn't sleep after i watched it oh good oh that's a good one yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay i usually can't sleep after watching a lot of this stuff too right nothing new terrifying well (laughs) if you're watching anything that's impactful make sure to let us know you can find us on social tweet us facebook instagram um and i'm not sure how that ties into attachment but it definitely ties into what i do at night that's Um, So we're going to be back with our third part series talking about attachment and how you can change it if you find yourself or someone you love as an avoidant, anxious attacher, hopefully, or disorganized. And if you're secure, keep doing what you're doing because that's awesome. Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully this helped close the door on your day and bring some light to your night. We wish you peace. We wish you hope. We wish you light and we wish you love for the rest of your night. And until next time, thanks for joining us on Lucia at Night. Thanks for spending your night with us on Lucia at Night. 